This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. What a, an amazing start to the Synod Conference. A powerful message from Pastor Tom to begin to lay the foundations of our calling and mandate as reformers and begin to go back to those kingdom principles to know who we are, what God has called us to do, and how we move forward. And what an eye-opening session to the second session we had talking about the Z generation, trying to understand them and how we connect with them. So I want to take off from where those two sessions have left. I've been asked to minister on where we are going as CCI, but I felt unworthy to, to talk about where we are going because I'm not a visionary. I'm, just, I'm not the visionary. I'm just an interpreter of the vision. So I decided to be a little bit rebellious and slightly changed my, my, my message, but I think I will still fulfill the mandate. So I want to start by looking at Acts chapter 26, verses 15 and 19. This is Paul, who is giving his testimony. And Paul says this, Acts 26, 15 to 19. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I, will, which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people, as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So Paul is narrating his calling and what God has uh, said to him and where he's coming from, where he's going. And then in verse 19, he's before King Agrippa, and then he says, Therefore, King Agrippa, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. One of the things when you look at Paul is that Paul, whenever he gives his testimony or he tells his story or he's chatting where he's going and he's giving a defense for his ministry, he always starts with the why. So the title of my talk this morning is Start with the Why for You to Move Forward. So for us as CCI to move forward, we need to go back and start with the why. Why do we exist? What are we there for? We can't move forward without knowing the reason why we are there. So Paul, you will find that he, he tells his story and he comes back to say, this is what God told me. This is the mandate that God has given me. And because of that mandate, this is why I do what I am doing. So the basis of everything that Paul was doing emanated from that. And then as he was close, as he's, he's appearing before King Agrippa, he says, King Agrippa, all these years I have been faithful. I've been obedient to that heavenly vision. I've been obedient to that heavenly why." And as I talk about this, I want to acknowledge that uh, I borrowed a number of the thoughts, the key thoughts from uh, this guy, Simon Sinek, who wrote a book called Start With The Why. So really what we talk about is that there are three questions we are dealing with within a golden circle. There is the why, 
the how and the what. The why, the how, and the what. Can we move, guys? The why, the how, and the what. Thank you. So, you have to understand that when you think about these three, the why, the how, and the what, the key thing that we have to understand is that people don't buy the what. They buy the why. So when people come to our churches, they are coming to our churches not because of the what, but they are coming because of the why. When people buy into your vision, they are buying into the why, the reason the vision is there. So we need to understand that. So we need to start with that why for us to get to the what, to the what we do. So as we do that, the three things that you are looking at is to say we want a clarity of the why. Because the why speaks to our purpose, it speaks to our belief, it speaks to our cause. Why are we there? What is the reason for our existence? What is the purpose for this ministry? What is the purpose of the, fly, the planning of this church? What is the purpose for what we are doing? That's why we are going back to say, let's go back to leadership and reformation. Let's go back to understand what is this thing called reformation. Why do we do what we do? So we need to have a clarity of our vision and our calling. And then we need, once we have that clarity, we need to move on to a, a discipline of how. The how is, talks to our culture, talks to our strengths, talks to our values, talks to our guiding principles. Once we are disciplined enough to walk within the context of our culture, then we'll be more effective. Then out of those two, we now have the consistency of the what? The deliverables, the, the products, the services we offer. What people see, but they have to start with the the why. So, let's take a closer look at this why. When we talk about the clarity of the why, like I said, why is the purpose? It is the cause of the belief. It is the reason why the organization exists. So, when you are a member of Celebration Churches International, one of the th key things as a leader that you should be very clear about is what is the reason for our existence? What is our mandate? Why are we here? Because if you don't know why you are here, then you can't represent the ministry. If you don't know why the church was planted where it was planted, and you don't know what God spoke, then you are not going to be effective. So we need to be so clear as to our vision. Not only should it be clear to us as leaders and pastors, but we should be able to articulate and communicate Communicate that vision clearly so that people have clarity. People can't follow and pursue something that they are not clear about. So part of leadership is that we need to be very clear as to why we are who we are. Why do we differ from the next movement? Why do we differ from the next church? Why don't we do what others are doing? It's because of what God has called us to do, who God has called us to be. I remember one time we were in a, in a meeting with... Uh, the, the leaders, I think years ago, I think we were at, in, uh, at uh, Ruparara in, in Nyanga or something like that. And we, we were trying to strategize and think through. And we had a consultant. So this consultant was really pushing hard in terms of redefining the ministry. So he says, why do you do this? Why do you have to do education? Why do you have to do hospitals? Well, I mean, other churches are not doing it. And so it, the pressure was so much that at some point we were tempted to give in. Until somebody says, wait a minute, why are we going that route? Why don't we, the visionary is here. We, then he says, Pastor Tom, what did God say to you? 
When Pastor Tom took us back to the why, we then said, this is why we are in schools. This is why we are doing hospitals. This is why we do this because it's ingrained in the why. The moment we move away from that why, we are becoming disobedient to the vision. We are becoming disobedient to the mandate of God. So we need to always circle back to that why. Hallelujah. Because it is the vision, it is the mandate, it is our contribution. When people look back and they say, what did, what did Celebration Church do? People will say, this was their contribution. This is the difference they made. Because that difference is ingrained in our why. And it is that why that inspires us. Amen? So the why really is our cause. It is the undying belief in a cause that is larger than ourselves. Something that we can say we can lay our lives for this because I buy into it. It is the reason for our existence. So we exist to champion a cause. We don't exist just to provide a service. So we are not here to just do church. We are there because of a cause. We are championing a cause. And that cause should be clear. When people look at us, they should say, now I can tell this is a celebration church because they see beyond the logo. They see the cause. They buy into the cause. They buy into that reformation mandate. They buy into that kingdom calling. When we say building people, building dreams to build the kingdom, we are saying this is what we stand for. Hallelujah. So as leaders, we should also realize that if we are standing there for a cause, just like David would say, is there not a cause? When David gave his life and he says, I'm going to face this Goliath the giant, he says, because there is a cause. So when you lay your life down, you are laying it for a cause, you are laying it for a vision, because you really believe that this cause which is larger than yourself is worth you laying your life. When you look at the model of our pastors, I mean, having given their lives for 40 years, why are they doing it? Because they are consumed by the passion. They are consumed for, by the cause. They understand, they feel it. They, they may want to leave, but they say, this thing constrains us. The zeal for the house of God constrains us. We are called by this thing and we can't let go of it. The question is, if we are helpers of the vision, are we consumed by that same cause? Because, you know, leaders should be symbols of the belief, of that belief by personifying the cause they champion. So when people look at you, they should see a manifestation of reformation. People should see that the, you are a symbol. You are a representation of what you say, this is my cause. When people look at you, your life should be a pictorial graphic that says, this person stands for reformation. This person stands for this cause. Because people should be able to just tell what you stand for by when they, when they see you. When people hear you preach, it should always circle back to the cause. But now if you are preaching and you are listening, I have heard this one preach, I have heard this one preach, and it doesn't circle back to the why. It tells you that you may be here, but you are not actually here. You see, when the leader becomes a symbol or a personification of the cause they champion, it creates loyalty. It creates loyalty. I am committed to somebody who is committed to a cause. Because people buy into the why, not into the what. So the question I have is that as pastors, as leaders, have we really bought into this vision? 
If we really bought into this why, when people look at us, do they see the why? Or they wonder why? So we said that when you become a personification of the why, it creates loyalty. Here is my definition of loyalty. You see, loyalty is when somebody is willing to suffer an inconvenience to assemble your service. What do I mean by that? As a church, if suddenly, if somebody can pass through so many churches to come to your church and they say, I know there is a similar church close by, but I don't identify with this. If they are willing to incur the cost of fuel to come to your service, they are loyal. But if somebody says, ah, I wanted to come to church, but it's inconvenient. I found a church which was nearby. It means they were not loyal. They didn't buy into the vision. They didn't buy into the cause. If somebody says, look, I want to serve in church, but you know, it's not convenient to me. It's because they have not bought into the cause. So as a pastor, I'm saying, what can I do to personify to this why so that people can buy into this why? Because once they buy into that why, the inconvenience becomes unnecessary. It doesn't become a deterrent. But if somebody says, oh, I came to church, I was serving, and then I was corrected, I was offended, and I left, they, didn't, they were not willing to suffer any inconvenience. They were not loyal. If I have bought into the vision, it means that I will be loyal even if it's inconvenient. So we need a clarity of the why. Now, we often say here in celebration, we often say we want you to, we want every leader to read Building People, Building Dreams. It's not just for ordination. It should be our manual. We should be going back to, to that book more often. Why? Because really the, the, why on the, the why of an organization is found in the founder's why. We don't understand what made this man and this woman leave their country and come here. Then we don't understand celebration. So we cannot discover the why in a strategy session. You go back to the founder. You go back to the person who was called. You go back to the mandate which was given. That's why Paul, every time he stood up, he would say, I was going to Damascus. I was like this. I was like this. And then God spoke to me. And when I had an encounter with God, he circled all the way back to the mandate. So if we are to be representative of this vision and the personification, we need to circle back to the founders. Hallelujah. Because the organizational why is always found in the visionary's calling. Hallelujah. So if you want to live an organization that is thriving, it means the founder has to pass that generational why to the next generation. If the next generation doesn't understand that why, they will begin to reformat the organization in their likeness. Not in the mandate that God has given. 
Now, as a pastor in a local church, if I don't understand, if I have not imbibed and received that organizational why, if I go and I'm asked to plant a church, I will format it in my likeness. And it then disconnects from the why. It's not really a celebration church. You have the label, but you are not a celebration church. So the reason we ask pastors to spend time with the visionaries, even when we go to pastors' retreat, is so that we have that connection with the visionaries, so that we catch the heart, we catch the why, so that once we have that why, we can represent well. Are we together? You know, Jesus was talking to his disciples once, and they were going from... They were passing through Samaria, and the village in Samaria would not accept them. Then the sons of Bonages, John and James, they said, Lord, they, they are not accepting us. Why can we just call the fire and let them burn them up? Let's just burn them up. And Jesus turns to them and he says, you know not of which spirit you are. What was he saying? He's saying, you don't represent me. You don't have my character. You don't have my being. You don't have my why. You don't, know, you don't know what motivates me. It's a sad indictment. If it can be said of any pastor and celebration church that you know not of which spirit you are. But we need to link back to that organizational why. And we should have the clarity of that why. It should be so clear in our minds. When people say, you know, you, do, you guys, you don't do this. And why don't you do this? Other churches are doing this. The clarity of our organizational why is what should help us. I remember one time we were teaching uh, in the CLDP in one of our churches. And somebody rose up and they said, oh, you know, there's no power in celebration church. You, you know, there's no power. They said, why do you say there's no power in celebration church? Said, because uh, we have never seen any demonic manifestation. And I said, you know, a demonic manifestation in the service is not a manifestation of power. It's just a demonstration that there was a demon in the service. But how can a demon manifest if it's not there in the service? But generally what we do in Celebration Church, we realize that demons, they, they like to show off, they like audience. So if you try to cast a demon in front of the audience when everybody is watching, the demon will show off. It will start talking. It will start doing all kinds of things. So we don't give demons airtime. So in Celebration Church, if a demon manifests, the ushers will take it out and they'll deal with it. If you take a demon out where there's no audience, it won't take time to cast it out. But if you try to cast it out in the presence of an audience, you are going to spend hours. Because they enjoy the attention. But anyway, that was for free. So, one of the things we realize when we have transitions in our churches is that sometimes the, the founding pastors of certain of churches, they understood the organizational why. They understood the vision. They declared it of vision. But they never took time to pass that the clarity of that why to the next generation. And when you fail to do that, you'll have succession failure. So whoever succeeds should be clear as to what we stand for. Hallelujah. You know, if you follow your why, 
others will follow you. But if your why is not clear, then people will not follow. So when we talk about the clarity of the why as a celebration church, what exactly do we stand for? You see, we know that we are reformers whose mandate is to transform lives and reform nations by building people, building dreams to build the kingdom. So we are reformers. We are called to reformation. We are called to transform lives with the gospel. We are called to reform nations. So we get engaged in nation building because we are called to disciple nations. We get involved in transforming lives. We worry if we, somebody comes to church and their life, there is no transformation. There is no change because inherent in our calling is a transformation of lives. So the gospel we preach should change lives. The gospel we preach should change people. Hallelujah. Then the people we have changed by the gospel, we, we, we have built them. And we build their dreams for the purpose of building the kingdom. So really our mandate is to be a movement of reformers. Now I, I sometimes struggle with our thinking processes. You know, some people are very spiritual. That they, they have to be in the spirit to get a revelation. I, I'm not very spiritual. I think. Some people pray their way into revelation. I think my way into revelation. We are just different. But you know, we used to do, when we used to do our strategic sessions and we, we say, guys, we want to impact communities. What are we doing for the communities? One of the things that almost always frustrated me is that you'll find when we talk about impacting communities, people will say, oh, we need to do, have a meeting with the mayor. We need to have a meeting with the police chief. We need to have a relationship with this. We need to do this. And they are trying to find favor with those in authority. And I'm thinking... If this is what impact is, then we are not reformers. Because in my mind, the best way for us to have impact in the community is for us to produce the leaders of the community. I mean, why should I want uh, to go and be the best friend of the chief of police of my area instead of having the chief of police be a member of my church, be my disciple, who I send out to represent the kingdom as a reformer? Why should I want a relationship with the mayor instead of having the mayor being born again, being a disciple who is going there and representing us? Because we reform through our disciples. Hallelujah. So, we are meant to build the dreams of our people. Pastor Tom was talking about, you know, it's important that we train our people to go and make a difference in society. We train our people to have a reformation agenda. To say, where I am, God has placed me there to make a difference. Hallelujah. 
So why as a pastor shouldn't I believe for members of my church, people who get born again in my church to grow up and become politicians, grow up and become the educationists, grow up and become the bankers, grow up and become the financiers, grow up and become all these lawyers so that suddenly the chief justice is a member of my church. No, we are talking and we are praying and saying, Lord, they must not change the laws. They must not. We should just have called them and say, guys, chief justice, you are a member of the church. Do you see what you are trying to do? These judgments you are passing are contrary to the, to the kingdom values. And then you remind them that our legal system is based on Judeo-Christian values. You, you understand what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. So what is our mandate imperative? I'm trying to paint a picture of the clarity of the why. You see, when you understand that our vision rooted in kingdom reformation requires a strong commitment to making disciples. Who will plant churches? That plant churches. That expand the kingdom influence. So when we think about when we are building a celebration church, you are thinking that most of the people you are seeing, the first 300 people in your church, you should not see them as members of the church. See them as the leaders. Disciple them and then send them to disciple others. And then they disciple others. Then we have an exponential disciple-making process. Because these discipled people are the ones who are going to make a difference. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, he is making sense. You know what, neighbor? He makes sense sometimes. So out of this clarity of the, the why, what therefore is our strategic thrust? Our strategic thrust, number one, is that Celebration Churches International is becoming an apostolic nation discipling movement. Because if we are going to, to be reformers, we need to disciple nations. Jesus says, go and disciple nations. We are apostolic in nature and we disciple nations. So if we are not having impact on our community, if we are not having impact in our city, if we are not going to have impact in our village, how do we impact nations? So we need to pastor the influencers, not by enticing them to come to our church, but to grow the people in our church that they go out and become the influencers. Hallelujah. Praise God. So every pastor within Celebration Church should intentionally choose to mentor and to coach others. We are people development practitioners. We develop people, building people, building dreams. So our mandate is to invest ourselves in people. Because the people we are investing in are our, our tools that we are sending into the community. They are our arrows which are sending to touch and change nations. Praise God. Now when you send somebody you did not develop, They are going to represent themselves. If you send a person whose dream you did not build, how do you know that that dream is going to represent you?
Hallelujah. So we must plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. We are a church planting movement. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that every celebration church that has been planted was planted with the express purpose that it should grow and then it should plant other churches. It multiplies its impact. Now, if you are 10 years old and we have a 10th anniversary and you have never planted a church, you have just declared that you have failed. I repeat. If we are to be reformers, we're an apostolic church planting movement. If after 10 years, you have not planted, you have no intention of planting a church, you are just conserving, then you have just failed. I'll, I'll just leave it here. When leaders disciple and release leaders, we intend disciples, people who plant churches. Then we create a movement that exponentially brings reformation. That is our why. Amen? So let's turn to the how. You see, once the why is clear, you move on to the how. And you need a discipline of how. You have a clarity of the why. Now you need a discipline of the how. The how is your culture. It's your strength. It's your values. It's your guiding principles. It's your value proposition. It's what makes you unique. But here is the problem. You know, I, I, I've often wondered. We had a vision of becoming 50,000 members. Then we refined the vision. We focused on becoming 200 members, 500 churches, sorry, 200 churches, 500 churches. We are not there yet. So I asked myself, why did we not achieve? Or why are we struggling to achieve? And I thought, that is what Pastor Tom was talking about when he was talking about South Korea and Ghana. And he talked about culture matters. It's so profound. Because in reality, culture or the discipline of the how is critical. I've realized that as I looked at organizations and the churches, I've realized that culture will always trump strategy anytime. If your strategy does not agree with the prevailing culture. The strategy is going to fail. So we have focused on strategy and ignored culture. And yet culture is the way we do things around here. Come with your powerful strategy and what do you want to do here? And when we say, no, no, this is not the way we do things around here, or already you are creating resistance. 
So if we don't change our culture, we will not achieve. So the question I ask is that, does our culture facilitate our vision and our strategy? Or does our culture instead hinder it? Do our systems and process drive towards our vision? Let me just give a few examples of cultural issues in this organization and other organizations that are a hindrance to strategy. You know, we talked about a loyalty to the vision. But sometimes it's very easy for people to be more loyal to people than to the vision. Once we have a culture where you say, I am more loyal to my friend who is being disloyal to the vision, we have just killed the vision. It's amazing how things happen in church and sometimes we go into a situation, something toxic happens, we go in, finally, when we finally hear, you know, we are always the last to hear what's happening in the churches. When we finally get there and we resolve the matter, you find some people come and say, So you knew, but you allowed it to pass. Because you wanted to be a good person to this person, although that person was disloyal. You are complicit in their disloyalty. When you suddenly protect your friend who is defrauding the ministry, you are the problem. Because you are more loyal to your friendship than to the vision. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying? So we can create a culture of protecting each other, a culture of covering our back. You see, if you have a culture in an organization of covering my back, what will happen is that whatever happens, I am just protecting myself. So I can't take risks. I can't make decisions. I can't do anything because I need, I need to protect my back. So you say, guys, let's plant churches. Then you say, ah, if I plant a church and it fails, then those people will think that I have failed. So I would rather be safe and protect myself. So I am not going to move forward and do what needs to be done. Or we can have a culture of telling the boss what we think he wants to hear. You know, you know, it's amazing. We have spent two years trying to complete an audit. And as far as I can remember, we, we would have people come and say, ah, no, in, in two weeks' time we'll be done. In two weeks, two weeks is two years now. Because we are being told what people think we want to hear. So there is no culture of truth-telling. There is no culture of saying, this is ugly. There is no culture of saying, mm, but there's a rotten egg here. We may need to redo something because we want it to be nice. So that culture or that discipline of the how frustrates the execution of strategy. Are we together? And I'm not talking about Celebration Church. I'm talking about other organizations. You know, another, another culture, I'm just trying to give examples of cultural things that hinder strategy Execution. You know, there's a culture of bullying others 
by exploiting your proximity to power. Because I spend so much time with Pastor Tom, nobody can correct me. Because I am close to Pastor Bonnie, nobody can tell me anything. Oh, by the way, Pastor Tom said, by the way, Pastor, Pastor Tom didn't say anything. Pastor Tom often says that my name is used in vain so often. Don't intimidate me by your proximity to power. The question I want to know is, are you true to the vision? Whether you are, you are close or not, it's immaterial. Are you pushing forward the agenda? Are you helping us to do what we need to do? Or you are creating a culture of exploiting proximity to power? Anyway, let me just leave it there. So we talk about the clarity of the why. We talk about the discipline of the how. We need to work our cultures. No, before I pass, let me, let me just come back here. Pastors and leaders. One of the things I learned is that love the people who are closest to you. But be skeptical. Because sometimes the people closest to the pastor will use the pastor and their proximity to the pastor to settle personal scores with other people. Uh, pastor, this person is like this. Pastor, this person is like this. When in reality, they are, they are using the pastor to fight their own battles. So when you deal with people who are closest to you, yes, trust them, but also go past them one or two steps lower to check things before you move. Because you can be misled. Hallelujah. Okay, let me... I have eight minutes, so let's finish. So the last is the consistency of the what. So we have the clarity of the why. We have the discipline of the how. And then we have the clarity, sorry, the consistency of the what. What is what you actually do? It's the services that you provide. It's the consistency of these actions that allow people to see your actual cause. So what is the consistency of the what? In celebration, we are transforming lives through soul winning. We are transforming lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we should believe God because we are not the ones who transform lives. Because the salvation of a soul and the transformation of a soul is a miracle. It's the working of the Holy Spirit. So we should believe God for the supernatural signs and wonders. We should believe God for the outworking of the Holy Spirit. We should believe God for the Holy Spirit to do what He alone can do. We should give Him room to transform lives. Transforming lives. Reforming nations. We should believe God. For the moving of the Holy Spirit. You know one of the things that frustrates. People. Is that we spend our time trying to tell people. Don't go to these fake miracle workers. People go to the fake because there is no genuine. What would happen if we believed God.
God for the genuine to operate through our churches, then our members will not pursue the fake. It is a season that we should believe God. We were bathed in the power of the supernatural. We should go back to our roots because we are called in the power to, be, to, to give witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So consistency of the what? We should plant churches that plant churches. Self-reproducing churches, like I said. We should disciple leaders who disciple others. It's, it's amazing that we, we planned a church. The pastor is doing something. They says, ah, Doc, we have planted a church. Can you send us a pastor? If you ask for head office to send you a pastor, it means you have just admitted failure. The Bible says they will produce after their kind. Why are you as a pastor not producing pastors? Why are you as a leader asking the pastor to give you somebody to, to in your department when you fail to produce a leader? They produce after their kind. If you're a teacher, produce teachers. If you're a leader, produce leaders. We have a model in this church that you, we have a leader, we have an apprentice, and we have an intern. So how come that your number two can never take over from you? Are you Zanu PF? Because in Zanu PF, unless the vice president effects a coup, he will never be president. The vice will always be vice. Okay, so sorry, I didn't I didn't mean to say Zanu PF. Are you government? Because in government, a deputy minister can never take the place of the minister. If the minister goes away, you have to find a replacement because there is no, nobody to step in. So why are we as pastors raising assistant pastors who can never take our place? And anyway, so, sorry, I'm... So as I move to close, I want to show you five types of churches. So your church is either declining or it's plateauing, it's not going anywhere. Or it's growing. Or your church is not only growing but it's reproducing. It's planting other churches. Or your church is multiplying. So which church are you? I pass on. So in the consistence of the what? We are a reformation movement. So we know that we need to actively be involved in schools, in campuses, to disciple students, to disciple the next generation. What are we doing about it? How are we taking church to the people? So as we close... The way forward for Celebration Church is to start with the why. We need a roadmap of strategic thinking that speaks to the clarity of the why, the discipline of the how, and the consistency of the what. When we do that, we create 
a megaphone. If you move two slides down. Move one more. Okay. So, I lost a slide. I think that's the Holy Spirit saying it's time up. So, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. So, to answer the question of which way forward for Celebration Churches International, my answer is very simple. We need to go back to our why to know our future. We need to go back and reconnect with the root, the mandate, the reason God planted us. When we connect and we give expression to that, we have seen our future. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.